Hello, everyone. What? What is that? You... Oh God, I know what this is. This is Please, I'm gonna just stop recording this right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the one-year birthday hey! of the science of Pokemon. Yes, we're like we're now walking. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we are able to walk and have some rudimentary knowledge of what the word no means, you know, but ignore it completely. You know what, though? Uh, uh, my, my, little, my little chica, uh, the older one, by the time she was 18 months, was like in full sentences. <laughs> nice. When yeah, I was 18 months, I believe I ran into a table. <laughs> she was running around using logic. No, I need the ball. <laughs> Uh, hello to all the new listeners here, hello to all the old listeners, especially those who've been here since the beginning. Welcome this, back. This is our one year anniversary, and as we promised, it's a special one. Yes! For our, This is uh, the first of hopefully to be many interviews, and what you are going to hear next is an interview that we conducted with a very good friend of mine by the name of Will Harris. Yes! Will Harris, is, he's from the Common Descent Podcast, he's been a very good friend of mine, he works with the Florida Aquarium as I do, he's one of my best friends, he's a really good guy, but he also has his master's in paleontology, because to follow up on our reptile episode, we talking about fossils. Cool. And I, I love this time so we had a great discussion with him so we have the interview that's going to come in after the music after that we'll do a little bit of a follow-up on how which on music? what we thought and some extra things hmm? which music which music i mean like the the, 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 the music stop it please please let me die let let me become a fossil i don't want to hear this oh god i'm i'm hitting the, the music button do the music You know, in all seriousness, it's great that we've made it a year. It just it feels so weird that it's been a year. Yeah, man. It's we talked been... about birds before, and now we're talking again about birds. I mean, not, not even that. Like you're like, man. Like we've I've had a kid. You know, I ran a campaign. Like like this is it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I, like, to think that this year has gone by so fast, and all the new friends we've made, and oh yeah, the conventions the we've, we've gotten to do. This is great. Uh, so, you know, thank you everyone for sticking around. Uh, real quick before we jump into the topic, uh, we are recording this uh, the night that we are posting the other episode. So, uh, if you did not enjoy the rambling and banter in the last episode, please do let us know. This episode has a lot less. Um, we are a lot heavier into the topic in the interview that we're going to have you guys hear here in a second. Uh, but yeah, just give us feedback here. We want to know. Again, we typically end up doing lots and lots of takes. Uh, if you've watched live episodes, it's a lot more banter and kind of messing around because you know we're just two friends here having a good time. We tend to ramble when we get and we get off to such delightful tangents. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because it is like nine o'clock at night for me, and I am like my brain is like, hey, squirrel. <laughs> I ate quite a bit of sugar. It keeps me alive. I don't do yes. coffee, but sugar sugar brings so, me to normal. We're going to talk about fossils, though, which I have to say, I, I'm pretty excited. I've been a fan of Jurassic Park since I was a young kid. Uh, like, that came out when I was uh, five or six? I think I was... No, I was like... 
maybe one, maybe yeah, less at the yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I remember it coming out. I remember seeing it, and I remember loving it to the point where I was told my uh, mom I wanted to dress up as Alan Grant for Halloween. To her response Fun was... Fun fact, at Dragon Con, at one of the panels, um, a panel that Will was a part of, who we're going to be listening to, there was a little kid dressed up as Alan Grant. That's the so whole cool. room gave him a standing ovation. Well, and it's great that nerd culture has changed at this point, but I, I remember in the 90s my mom was like, no one's going to understand it. <laughs> the heck they won't. Well, they wouldn't have then, but now it is nice to see the culture has changed. But yeah, so we're going to talk about fossils here, uh, and I know we kind of dive into a lot of the uh, biology pretty heavily, uh, mm-hmm. So I hope for those of you friends who come here to kind of like joke around, I hope you do enjoy this episode as well, though. There's a lot of uh, interesting uh, moments here with Will and a lot of insight here onto, you know, why things in the Pokemon world or Jurassic Park really could not happen at all. But the more fun part about it, not just why it couldn't happen, but some of the things that did happen in our world that are just as fascinating, if not more so. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like what could have actually happened instead yeah oh very much so well uh with that uh if you're good let's jump into the topic all right here it goes and click all right everybody without further ado we would like to introduce you to the man who will be giving our first interview ever. He is a co-host of the Common Descent podcast. Everybody, put your hands together for Will. How you doing, Will? I'm doing good. Hi, everyone. We're glad to have you here. Can you tell us a bit about yourself so I don't have to? Happily. Uh, my name is Will Harris. I am a science educator currently working at the Florida Aquarium here in Tampa. Uh, My background is in paleontology, and I serve as one of the hosts of the Common Descent podcast. So does that mean that, like, you were heavily influenced by, like, Alan Grant? I I mean, you're not wrong. Absolutely, you are not wrong. Uh, Every child of the 90s. (laughs) As I say, I'd be lying if I didn't say that that movie was formative for me. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, not so much that I wanted to grow up to be him, but yeah, no, no Alan Grant's pretty jerk. great. He's kind of a it's, jerk. He, he's, he's a bit rough around the edges, but man, he's a good paleontologist. <laughs> okay. Indeed. Okay. All right. So, so uh, uh, yeah, you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, first question we want to get for our listeners, because we all, we hear about them, but not everyone knows the process. So, what exactly is a fossil? Cool. So fossils, uh, generally speaking, are the remains of ancient life forms that have been preserved somehow. This could be you know, what we typically think of as bones of animals. That's the popular fossil, but plant fossils, microbe fossils, uh, shells and teeth are all viable. You also get weird things like mummies every now and then. Yeah. But basically, it's any remain from a living thing. Anything that was alive and left something behind for us to find today is a fossil. So, can I... Three quick things on that, sorry. First, I want to say to Lucas, I I, I love you and hate you because I almost wanted to make another uh, mummy joke. (laughs) Why? That was like so many episodes ago. I know, but... I went went and watched that terrible movie. (laughs) Wait, wait, the new one or the... The... No, 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 no. We okay. reference we reference a cult film about a mummy Elvis. 
Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, it's, makes... it's really terrible. <laughs> there you go. I, I don't even want to look it up. I don't want no, to touch it. It's so bad. <laughs> uh, no, but you know what? I want to say, uh, yeah, the microbes thing. Um, so my undergrad was through, uh, because I could afford it at the time, uh, the Kent State at, at, in Ohio. Um, and they actually have, and I really, I really like this, um, they have a geology building um, that is actually made out of rocks with uh, my, uh, microbe fossils still in it. Oh, cool. Yeah, and so it, and it has like a bunch of like shell fossils and stuff. So like the rocks all have like the fossil in it. Uh, and I just I just remember being like, wow, this is a really cool, uh, you know, tie in to what they study here. Uh, the, the question I have, though, comes from my almost five year old here, uh, because we talk about this kind of stuff because she loves dinosaurs, loves them. Um, and she was asking me what, you know, uh, if a fossil could be like a dinosaur uh, stomach or brain. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, in fact, yes, very rarely, but yes. Cool. Uh, so why is do... it rare? So soft tissue, muscles, skin, brain, eyes, all of the squishy parts just don't last as well. They're very easily broken down by bacteria. They're going to rot and probably if they were killed by something else, be eaten. You know, <laughs> so all of those soft bits aren't going to last as long. Okay. Uh, it has to be very, very special conditions for soft tissue to fossilize. And uh, we have gotten it before, but it, it usually has to be very fine sediment and buried in a very particular way. And so it's not, it, it's just like one of those lottery things. Of, it's just not likely to happen and even less likely that we then find it after all of those years. So to tie into that then, uh, but this does happen every now and then because we yes. have found uh, pigmentation recently in the past uh, 10 years, right? Oh, yes. Uh, and it's, we, it's and really we actually recent. have, some, yeah, we have ideas now of what actual colors like dinosaurs were. Yes. Or what colors their feathers were. Like we actually have actual evidence here of what they, uh, or at least certain species kind of looked like. Yes. So uh, when it comes to coloration, it's mostly been in feathers. There have been uh, a couple of instances, one particular one recently, uh, I don't remember the name right off, but where it was found in skin. So it yeah. has been found, but typically in feathers, it's either the leftover uh, melanosomes, which are the molecules that make up pigment. Okay. Um, and it'll either be the leftover molecules like or evidence of them or the spaces where those molecules would have been preserved within the rock. So once again, it has to be extremely fine sediment or it's the crystalline structures within the feathers that refract light bend it to make usually blue and uh, uh iridescent colors in feathers so like things and that you see in a hummingbird or a crow when they shimmer is actually refracting light is that just because our our especially you're talking about like the absence there of the actual molecules is that because our technology has improved to the point where we can kind of figure out what the missing piece is now it's a mixture it's it's partially okay. the fact that we finally found fossils that were uh well enough preserved to be examined to find these things a lot of these are coming from china right now which is kind of having yes. its paleontology renaissance uh so there a lot of the new big stuff is coming out of there because paleontology in europe and you know, the u.s has been going on for 
better part of a hundred years now. So it's we found and the US a is our... a particular like special case though, right? I know this from uh, from economics podcast that like we're kind of the oddball though because it's like a hey, you found it, like you get to keep it. Hey, well, it depends. Um, it depends on where it's found and in what condi- what situation. If it's found on uh, national land, then that is not the case. Uh, yes. If it's found on private property, then it is uh, technically the property of the the owner, unless given clearance otherwise to the person who found it. Um, but in some other countries, yeah, it is the case where all fossils are considered national treasures and are therefore the property okay. of the government. But that that still does not mean that every single fossil ends up in a museum. Oh. And I, I only and I wasn't trying to interrupt you there. I just yeah, yeah. I was just curious because I uh, Planet Money did an episode uh, in the past couple of years about that where they were talking about the the actual price that T Rexes go for, oh, yeah. and I was like, oh, that's crazy! It was just it, it just it baffled me, uh, especially coming from a, a science family that this was a, a for profit thing. <laughs> it's the the um, when it comes to private fossil collectors, people who are doing it outside of universities and museums, uh, there's kind of a double-edged sword. On one hand, there are not enough paleontologists to dig up every fossil that is out there. On the other, if they're selling the fossils, those could end up in someone's private collection in a basement that never sees the light of day again, which has happened. There have been new species discovered that then were auctioned off and now are no longer able to be studied. that That's happened. Depressing. Yes, I, I think I think uh, it may have been either a, it was a Science Friday last summer or a Star Talk where that that actually happened with the uh, the National Archives, right? Uh, I believe so. I, I don't know specifics. Where they went back and they were like, "Oh, we actually have stuff that we didn't know oh, was yes. new and oh, undiscovered." Yes. Oops. That actually happened. We don't even need fossils for that to happen. We have that in museum collections yes. all the time. That happens. Well, that's with, what. Yeah, uh, that's what it was. Yeah. That happens all the time in uh, fossil collections around the world in museums. Is that you know, fifty years ago or more, someone went dug up hundreds of fossils, brought them all back to the museum, and it takes. 10 times as much time to analyze a fossil after all the time it's taken to prep it than it did to dig it up. So there are fossils that have not been even really critically looked at that are sitting in museum collections still to this day that may be decades, if not close to you know a century old now. And yeah, we discover new species all the time in museums. And so it's actually really important for those who, instead of go digging in the dirt, just go into the basement and see what's gathering (laughs) dust. I I I can't remember what it was, but I know that there was one case where they found a fossil that had been being used as a doorstop just because it had been there so long. And someone finally walked by it that was a specialist and said, hey, you guys know that's new, right? So like there are situations that are crazy out there. You know what? They don't show you that part in Jurassic Park. No, it's it's, it's much <laughs> more glamorous not. to f- find it in the rock, we think. But some of the craziest <laughs> things have been found on the shelf. So, can, so can, on that no- yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you want to ask it? I was going to ask the next question. No, you got this. Yeah, sorry. I actually, I actually, so uh, Lila, my daughter, loves dinosaurs because I love dinosaurs. Nice. Um, so at, when I was her age, that was like my obsession. Uh, so I have pretty much, well, we had, I, I have to say we had, I sold a bunch of them last year and we used it to, hold on. We used it to buy, we used it to, uh, 
We sold. The, I had all the Jurassic Park season one and season two, series one and two toys. Nice. We sold a ton of them and Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles, to buy Star Wars toys. So we now have like, uh, I think six Tie Fighters, like a bunch of Walkers. We have like everything nice. now. To where there's like a whole armada. But uh, anyways, yes. Uh, so uh, the the fossils there. How do we know not only uh, when they are from, but like you know where exactly they came from, especially since Earth uh, moves and shifts. Yes, uh, it's actually a big part of why we know that Earth moves and shifts is because of fossils. Um, so t- tectonic plate movement, the fact that the continents are sitting on rock that are constantly shifting across the planet's surface is the concept that came up in large part because we were finding fossils of iguanodon on this continent and this continent that were identical that were the same kind of dinosaur. Iguanodon's an herbivore that is in the movie Dinosaur from yeah. Disney. So that's It, it was Alandar. that terrible movie. Yeah, that terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we were finding animals across continent edges that should not have been so similar if there were an ocean between them when they were alive. So the conclusion that began, began to come up was, all right, well, they had to have been near each other. So these continents must have been closer together. And then as we looked into other things like the geology and the ocean floor, it confirmed that yes, the continents were once together, multiple times actually as giant supercontinents, Pangaea being the most famous during the time of the dinosaurs, uh, that then spread and now these fossils are spread around the world. Uh, So that's part of it. And that is something that is very, uh, surreal when you're looking at a fossil and where it's from. You know, we will often say Chinese fossils, but China would not have been what we think of as China when those animals were there. It was in a different area of the planet. It was different well, climate. And- so everything those animals would have been experiencing is not what we picture as China or the U.S. or Africa or so on and so on. Okay. Uh, and my next question here, um, and I just want to give this to people who don't understand you know, uh, who maybe haven't paid attention in the past few years. So I know, I know Lucas wants us to talk about, you know, if we can bring fossils to life. Give um, me my Tyceratops puppy. <laughs> but, 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 but I also want you to, I want you, if you could, um, can you explain then how, so like we're talking about, uh, is it, is it the woolly mammoth here that we're trying to bring back? Yes. But it's not going to actually be like the woolly mammoth. And I know that they're having this issue with, is it the white rhino, Lucas? Uh, the white rhino, there have been issues with white rhinos where we've thought of, well, why don't we just take this, clone it, put into another, or just take, yes. the, the, take the northern white rhino, mix it with the breed of the southern white rhino in and order get to the, create. Yeah. Yeah. So could you explain, uh, you know, about bringing fossils to life or and what the actual... Uh, you know, what the actual uh, process would actually look yeah, like. Yeah. Happily. Uh, so, first and foremost, to get it out of the way, DNA breaks down incredibly quickly. So, it is a very complicated, delicate, complex molecule. As soon as a body dies, the DNA starts breaking down almost instantaneously. Like, I mean, it's within... What? It's Jurassic Park lied to all of us? My (laughs) Triceratops puppy? So, dinosaur DNA is (gasps) as far as we are aware, yeah, impossible. No no Triceratops puppy. Dino DNA. Yep. The dino DNA is still just in the past. Well, 
that and in the modern birds that still carry it. Uh, okay. As far as more modern DNA, like the mammoth, like uh, Ice Age and more recent animals, there have been instances where we've been able to get molecular DNA information from fossils, Neanderthal, you know, and ancient humans being some of those. Um, we are. Well, I know Neanderthal is different though because Neanderthals interbred with Homo sapiens. That, yes. That's a little. Uh, yeah, that's a little different. Well, and it's but it is one of those things where we've been able to get genetic evidence from the fossils of Neanderthals, and that's how we know for sure that our ancestors bred with them because we can match that okay. DNA to modern DNA okay. and see there's some in us. Fair enough. So we definitely can get DNA from fairly young fossils, um, but it's not complete DNA, and that's where a big part of it usually is that it's going to be missing chunks, which means you can't just clone it from there. That's why in the movie and book Jurassic Park, they filled it in. Uh, Frog? Yeah, they... Uh, filled yeah. in the holes to complete the code. Uh, or it was African toad or something. Yeah, yes. frogs. It was African frogs, and that's why they changed their gender and turn in from females to males and breed. Um, oh, amphibians. Yeah, because they're weird. <laughs> uh, you know what? As, they can be whatever they want to be. Come on. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. That's the whole point. They can be male, they can be female, and yeah, it's, it's great. As far as cloning these animals... There's there's a bunch of issues. First and foremost, the main way you would clone a mammoth typically is to take that DNA and put it in the egg of a uh, Asian elephant, and the Asian elephant mother would be the surrogate for this pseudo mammoth. Um, <laughs> if it were born, there's a lot of issues. Uh, we don't know what its biology is so we don't know exactly how to take care of it we don't know if it would develop correctly within a mother that is not its own species we don't know I, there's a whole bunch of unknowns here it also would not be a true mammoth for uh, many reasons if you're able to get a complete mammoth code you could have it be a true mammoth but so far that we don't have a, a we have parts that have, have replicated where the DNA's copied itself, but we don't have all the DNA. So there's a lot of barriers there. What we could get close to is kind of what with the right the white rhino, uh, not wino. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be my grandma. Yes, there you go. Um, what we could get is a a hybrid leaning toward the mammoth side. But we would not. So could that change over time through almost like, like how humans uh, domesticated dogs? Could we eventually breed enough or clone enough that we'd be like, oh, hey, now we've gotten to. I mean, it would be like, like what, like point, because you could never get it perfect. Yes. It would be like point zero 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 one percent. Like you, you could slowly purify the. It's like the speed of light, right? Mm -hmm. You could never get. Exactly. That. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so yes, you absolutely could get closer and closer to more mammoth. The main issue you'd run into is how do you know when it's actually acting and behaving like a mammoth? Because you've never met a mammoth before. 
I've seen not only that, food. but they're pachyderms. Pachyderms are incredibly social yeah. animals, and they learn from each other. So who's this thing going yeah, to learn from? That's where you get into they the. They just talked about that on Science yes. Friday about uh, about goats. Mm-hmm. They were they've been watching our not goats. Uh, yeah, was it wild goats? Uh, through the changes of their routes, about how they learn, it's social. They like mm-hmm. have to be taught, and moose. It was moose as well, and they have to be like taught how to like navigate. This is where you get into the ethical issue of is it okay to clone an animal that would be literally the only one of its kind? Uh, I don't know. Gundam showed me you could clone people. You can, but there's a lot of us. Uh, this would be <laughs> the only mammoth on Earth. And it would have no herd truly of its own. Would the other elephants even accept it? Um, would its mom? Would its mom reject it? I feel like I feel like it, this would be like like an anime in the making. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Is this is <laughs> the lone mammoth? This is your um your. I mean it's it literally is a, a Frankenstein style story of is, is it <laughs> right to create a creature that has no um, peers, that has no social group, that has no true family. Um, and that was that was hey, Ian Malcolm's Dragon God. Exactly, you did, and that's that's a big issue with it. Um, it's there's there's a lot to it. the The bottom line answer is no. We can't truly bring back the mammoth. It's going to be something okay. that simulates a mammoth that is very very close, but isn't. We will never actually be able to know whether it is behaving or acting like a mammoth. Uh, it, we, the most we could do is get it to look like what we know mammoths to look like. Uh, so there's not a lot of area for truly cloning extinct species unless you have really good intact uh, DNA and a very, very close relative. Uh, and even then, there's going to be complications. So uh, with that, uh, this last question we have before we jump into actual Pokemon. Oh, I've got uh, this one. This one's my favorite. Yes. Wait, can go. you ask him? Can can you ask him? Can you ask him to just do it? Yes or no? Though we're okay. Yeah, All yeah, right. yeah. All right. So does Pokemon do anything accurately when it comes with its fossils? Anything? And you just want yes or no? Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> anything? Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. All right, let's talk about Pokemon now. Let's get the Pokemon. Let's get the Pokemon. Hey, Digimon. Hey. All right, so let's go ahead and get into some Pokemon. Now, Will, you know a bit about Pokemon, right? You've played the games. Yes, I've I've played a few of the games. (laughs) I have many a friend. And, and I, I have you as friends and David as friends who are big Pokemon people, so I, I am surrounded by Pokemon. All right, so let's go ahead and start with the first. How about Kabuto? Yeah. You want? You just want me to run with it? Yeah. Tell us about it. Tell us about uh, what you know, what it's based on, and, and what what they've done right. Sweet. So, Kabuto uh, is an interesting one because it's kind of a hodgepodge of ancient aquatic crustaceans. Um, basically, it's based heavily off of things like horseshoe crabs and trilobites. Uh, and we still and have some to, of those around today. Yeah, we, we horseshoe crabs have made it to, to today. They've been around for 450 million years, roughly. Well, trivia for and you, so, Will, if you didn't know this, there actually is a uh, Pokemon episode in the second season uh, where Kabuto are still alive on an island. That's what I... That's what I, I I was I was aware that there were instances where they were still around well, and so yeah there it's, are instances it, like 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 in the first season where Ash finds co- like all of the fossils but there's an episode just about Kabuto where they're like oh my gosh Kabuto's still around like who would have thought 
And so yeah, that's one of the things that I like that they do is that they have a little bit of that realism in the fact that this this is a creature who has survived to the modern age. Um, it, uh, you know, unlike in, in their version, it is not completely unchanged from how it was. Of course, it's changed over that time, but I like that bit of realism. Um, and it's it's got a weird evolution in the fact that Kabutops is a completely different organism. <laughs> Uh, and it's it's hard to even know exactly what he's supposed to be based off of. Well, it's I think definitely got a trilobite. I think the it's head fantastic. the head looks like it's like awesome. like Kabuto. That's what I always thought was that like the head of Kabutops really is a uh, you know like a trilobite there. But then like that, that boomerang head really looks like a trilobite, yeah. and the back has a very sectioned body feel to it. Almost I like, love like an insect I'm a almost. for scythians. Yeah, he's got a very crustacean-y yeah. look to him. Um, that that's as far as the fossils go. I don't know of any other key things about these Pokemon that would relate them to their their fossil origins, but they're definitely based off some of the more ancient. Uh, of, of all the the fossil Pokemon we see, they are one of the oldest uh, in relation to real animals. So them having like Kabuto and Ammonite first, like actually, is pretty good because those are the older. Uh, Kabuto definitely is. Ammonite would be... Uh, so they're based off of Ammonites, um, which no when way. I was a kid... One letter. All right, yeah. When I was a kid, I used to... Because A's can still be A's. <laughs> and so when I was a kid, I used to flip those pronunciations all the time. Um, <laughs> but Ammonites are a good bit younger than, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> the truly ancient organisms like... Uh, the first, you know, horseshoe crabs and trilobites, even though they there is overlap since uh, horseshoe crabs survive. Uh, Ammonites made their debut mostly during the Mesozoic, during the age of dinosaurs, is when they were really flourishing in the seas. Uh, so they're they're fairly younger, still old, and still probably one of the most famous aquatic fossils, which is probably the reason they were picked first. Is they are definitely one of the most common and popular ancient sea fossils uh, other than trilobites themselves just because uh, they were so numerous for such a long time. So can we talk about the one that I feel like they did the worst job on despite it being like one of my favorites? Aerodactyl. Ooh, do tell. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Aerodactyl. Well, it's also like, like, like oh, it literally ties into our first episode. A Aerodactyl is way too heavy. Oh yeah, he's he's a beefcake. He's not he's not flying to... anywhere. No, uh, he's beefy. He's definitely <laughs> the one thing he does that everyone <laughs> who ever draws or decides to put pterosaurs of some sort in their films or games does. And it's the one thing that is, it's its one of my pet peeves and most paleontologists' pet peeves. They couldn't pick stuff up with their feet, okay? They had, like, feet much more like a bat in that they were flat-footed. They did not have talons. They had flat, think of them more like duck feet. Okay. They just they just had duck feet. So these were, these were animals that probably couldn't even perch on branches very well. So, like, in the these, comics, uh, Red, the, the game character... Mm -hmm. His aerodactyl carries him uh, with his feet. Yeah, that would not be happening. Okay. Red would have to be holding onto his ankles. No, uh, uh, his aerodactyl uh, like pulls him as he's flying. Yeah, exactly. 
So, like, if it were to actually work, you'd have to be holding on for your dear life to the <laughs> ankles of your Aerodactyl as it carried you around. Okay. Uh, probably causing it immense pain because you would, for it to actually fly, <laughs> would have to outweigh it by quite a bit. Uh, pterosaurs were actually ridiculously fragile. So fragile, in fact, that they are super rare in the fossil record because it did not take much for them to just be pulverized. Uh, even when we usually find them, it's just single bone elements or just a few bones. You don't find whole nice pretty skeletons of them because they're like paper. Okay. So Aerodactyl should be a glass cannon that is broken apart with a baseball bat very easily uh, that cannot pick you up and can't grab stuff with its feet. Okay, so can, can we ask you about uh, Pachycephalosaurus? I mean, Rampardos. I mean, wait, what? Yes, all right. I love so, Rampardos, dude. It's Rampardos? the best. Like, I wish it had better defense. It's one of my favorites. It's adorable. I love that they put this one in. I, I was really happy when I saw them put in a weird dinosaur <gasps> in the mix. How dare you? Uh, Pachycephalosaurus is amazing. I'm not saying... Weird does not mean bad. If weird meant bad, I'd be offended much more of my life. Uh... All dinosaurs are beautiful. Yeah, it's but weird in the fact that there are not a lot of dinosaurs shaped like Pachycephalosaurus. No, it's like it's this very is, few, right? It's an oddball. It's got a huge swollen domed head, and its whole family line has these weird head ornaments that we're not sure what they were using them for. So it was cool to get to see it show up in Pokemon. Well, the I think Pokemon kind of figured out, or, or kind of just figured that Jurassic Park had it right. <laughs> Yes, and that's a that's an idea that as goes back long time. It was suggested by a paleontologist long, long ago uh, that Pachycephalosaurus was using these helmeted heads to butt heads against each other, like a ram. In dominance displays, yeah, like a ram, okay. which makes sense. Animals do it all the time: deer, rams, narwhal. It, and that's that's that what a lot painful. of people pointed out is you'd be damaging your yes. brain every time. Yeah, it's it's one thing to use horns, but this is your skull cap. Like this is literally the top of your skull. <laughs> your We're not brain sure would that be And so that was suggested. It was made popular in a short story, and now we've all perpetuated it. But so is this the dinosaur equivalent of the NFL? I mean, potentially. Well, Lucas. So like, Lucas hears this, and I, and I think about. Um, I think Kyle Hill did a good video on this because I, you know. Uh, l- from the neuro background I like to think, talk about this you know uh, like he talked about Kyle Hill because science did that whole episode about like Iron Man's brains would be scrambled because you know every time he'd have to yes. stop the force again you know his head's gonna his brain's hitting everything it's the same way I feel whenever someone's like I have a robotic arm I can lift a car it's like no no you have an arm your skeleton is still made out of bones every time you lift something <laughs> heavier than you know the rest of your body can take (laughs) yeah your arm's gonna rip itself off your shoulder like that's not how (laughs) strength works uh and that's yeah it's always been one of my pet peeves uh robot arms are fun for like shooting stuff so mega man awesome could this have had a like well what other purpose could it have the dome skull it could be display which is what a lot of people think so So like like uh like birds of paradise where it's this is yes. like me trying to show off exactly it's okay. it's it's look how big my dome is uh there is a, some evidence it's not been confirmed yet that they may not have been born with a dome that they may have started out flat-headed and horned 
for more defense. And then as they got bigger, the horns reduced and the dome expanded so that now it's a display of maturity huh. and uh, everything. So it could be a display. Like a puberty. It could still be. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, like a silverback gorilla. I'm going through oh, changes. Yes. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, him trying to hide his dome. <laughs> what do you got there? I don't have no, a dome. Man. Nothing. Don't look. Oh, don't call me up to the front of the car. Yeah. Ah, that's terrible. Uh, Kyle's. <laughs> right, pitching a tandem. Oh, this would make a great oh, like Disney like, there's, Channel. There's a comedy. lot of things you could do with dinosaurs. The Triceratops would be a fun right, one with their puberty because their their horns change direction throughout pu through puberty. So that's terrible. You'd be able to tell. <laughs> yeah, right. They there's Four literally things. go. Can we talk about Archaeops though, uh, which I know is just what Archaeopteryx. Did I say that wrong? I I wow. love that this one was in there. Uh, Archaeopteryx being. Uh, name meaning the first bird yes. and still being uh, one of the oldest fossil birds on record is often hailed as the transitional state between uh, the non-flying dinosaurs and the flying dinosaurs. We're not we're still not positive uh, how well Archaeopteryx could fly. It may have been really good glider. It may have been slightly powered flight. It may have been flying but just not like soaring or was it like so we're not, like buzz lightyear like falling with style uh, falling with style oh it almost definitely could fall with style and, you okay. know that's that's one of the best thing about having feathers is you fall very stylishly okay uh and so that's it's a cool fossil. if you ever watch this game animation this thing is literally flapping for yes, its life. Yes. and that's a lot of people think it might have been kind of like if you've ever seen a turkey fly where it's just like <laughs> feathers going in all in the our backyard we have wild turkeys yeah or like chickens when they fly it's hilarious yes, they can't fly but it's not graceful <laughs> uh this may have been like that um but it's a really important fossil okay. it's majorly important to our understanding of birds and dinosaurs nowadays uh, we found tons of other dinosaurs similar to Archaeopteryx since then. Um, so it was by no means the only toothy, tailed, clawed, flying creature. Um, but I love that they put him in. And I like that both forms look like the real animal. Just one's a baby and one's more badass. No, instead of asking you the last one we had originally put, can I, can I ask you a better question? Can I ask you a better question? So that Lucas sure. and I, if we ever want to do another uh, fossil episode, we can. Um, let's save the best for last. Uh, could you tell us if you had to pick mm -hmm. for the next generation games that are coming out, and with the possibility? So there's two. There's a, there's two possible locations that have been floating around: uh, England and Spain. What would you put in for new fossils? I was. And this so is on hoping. the fly. This is on the fly. I was so hoping you guys were going to ask Oh, good, me good. Uh, there are a ton of things that I wish they no, would. No, we did not script no. this. Oh, absolutely. I was so hoping this would come up. Uh, the biggest one, the biggest thing I think they are missing out on when it comes to fossil Pokemon is they have, they have done no cool fossil mammals. It's been all ocean stuff and dinosaurs. So, like, like a mastodon? Uh, yes, finally. Yeah, like, give Speaks us a saber-toothed cat. Okay, saber-toothed cat. Give us a holy cool, yeah. rhino. Give us Ooh, a yeah. uh, twenty-five give us a, horse. <laughs> yes, I mean, give us uh, you know, Endotherium, which was this giant giraffe 
giant thing. sloth. Giant, yeah. giant sloth. sloths. Make it rock fighting so that it can punch people with its giant so not claws. Like, like, not like a plesiosaur or another dinosaur. Like, it would be cool to see some of those things. There's tons of ancient animals I'd love to see. I know if uh, David had his vote, uh, mosasaurs would be on there, which were uh, giant aquatic cousins of lizards that were huge. Uh, but there, there's a cool... Yeah. No, not to be there's a whole bunch of cool ones. I just feel like the mammals have been overlooked. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Well, uh, awesome, man. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. Thank you, uh, Lucas, for for getting Will, and thank you, Will, for coming. Uh, Will, could you could you do a shameless plug and uh, tell all of our listeners where to find you uh, if they want to hear more? Absolutely. Well, first off, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. This was fun. Uh, next time, I, I, if if you ever guys need another guest, David would love to come on because he he'd be happy to hash it out Pokemon style. But sure, if anyone is curious to find out more, uh, I am. Uh, one of the hosts along with David Moscato of the Common Descent podcast. You can find it on iTunes and uh, Podbean and basically every other podcast subscriber. Uh, We do episodes every two weeks and basically what we do is we try to focus on different paleontology concepts. So it may be a fossil group of animals, it may be a scientific concept, it may be a age period, it may be um a location or you know some historical event your episode on speculative evolution was fantastic and so it's stuff like speculative evolution which is still uh, so far my favorite one we got to do that was a lot of fun and basically we just try to give you a half hour of science news and then an hour of science discussion to give you an intro into whatever the topic is and our biggest thing is we love to take requests. So if you start listening and you like it and you think of something we haven't talked about yet, tell us and we will absolutely talk about it. Everything goes on a list. Well, thank you, Will. Thank you for coming. Thank you, man. You're the best. Oh, this was tons of fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Okay, that interview was fun. I, I mean, he is one of my best friends, but still, he's... He knows his stuff. No one yeah. can doubt that he doesn't know his stuff. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, for I, I, I love it whenever we get to talk to someone who is clearly uh, scientifically literate. Uh, it's enjoyable, enjoyable to get to hang out and talk to people who, who genuinely know what they study. I think that's great. I definitely love uh, the last question we were going to ask was about another fossil Pokemon. But again, your idea to switch it up on that, like that is something like, oh, you could tell the giddiness in his voice when he heard that. He was excited. When it comes to like speculative live biology and evolution, it's one of our favorite topics to discuss. We once spent our time discussing like just walking to a parking lot, like how certain like bat people or would actually function in the real world this is just walking from the parking lot from work to the parking lot discussing how bat it would be like man bat it would be like man it would be like man bat but like we were wondering like how could it be changed what would be different like how would mermaids exist like that sort of thing we love that stuff well mermaids would have a fish head and human legs oh no oh god make it stop it burns (laughs) uh you know though I, i a few a few comments that he made yeah, I, I, I genuinely think it's interesting for anyone who uh, wants to see dinosaurs brought back to life. It, it really isn't feasible. Nope. Uh, not with the technology we have now. I don't know what that's going to look like 120 years from now. 
Uh, but at the moment, what we have, it's just really not feasible. And I, and I say that just because, especially like in my own field and looking at like uh, neuropsychology, um, it's not feasible to map the brain yet. No, it is not. You know, fMRI technology is only so good right now. Um, but it's not, you know, finite enough. So I don't know what that looks like, you know, 100, 120 years from now. But yeah, it was it was interesting to hear him uh, kind of describe that because I feel like a lot of people are, are just very hopeful. Like, oh, you know, if uh, animals die off, we'll just bring them back. But it, that's really not a solution. No, it's not. In fact, one of the things that people will sometimes bring up with this sort of thing is that, well, if they're just going to go extinct, if we can like bring them back that sort of way, that's not even like, I mean, we touched on it a bit with the elephant idea. It's one of the discussions we had when I was at Dragon Con. We did a whole Frankenstein panel and the elephant came up and how it wouldn't be able to function properly, that sort of thing. But again, it would be easier scientifically for me to take a whole bunch of different animals' DNA and shove them together to make what people think is a dinosaur actually a dinosaur. Well, you know... As ludicrous as that sound, that would actually be better. The only rebuttal I have from him about, like, would the mammoth mother raise it? Um, clearly not. It, Will's not a parent yet, is he? <laughs> not quite. Uh, so I know plenty of parents who have very hideous babies. <laughs> you know, you see where I'm going yeah. there, though? Like, you know, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think that misses the point, especially when you look at... Uh, you see a lot, a lot with uh, animals uh, where they'll raise young of totally different species. Now, I have to agree with uh, him on the elephant one, just because I have seen what happens with animals that have abandoned their young for inexplicable reason. We have a lot of rescue animals that show up at in Florida in the aquariums. These are just, oh, the bird abandoned its its baby, or oh, this chimpanzee abandoned it was abandoned by its mother. This happens a lot at zoos where that's why the chimp has to be raised by humans, even if there's no discernible flaw. Well, like again, it's all hypothetical. But there are there are times like even in zoos, for instance, like most zoos are now raising cheetahs with like golden retrievers. <laughs> yeah, that's more of a social anxiety but, thing, and it's it's awesome. And Bush Gardens. But, but yeah, it. there are instances here where, where where animals can be raised with different species, and they turn out okay. And again, it's all one of those things of like ethically, and it brings up an interesting point. What can we learn about a mammoth? By bringing it back like what can we actually learn because it's not technically a mammoth it would be a hybrid of an indian elephant which is the closest living ancestor and, well, then and i think that. i think i think ethically so for anyone who's never read uh michael creighton's book i do recommend it, it, it the book is so much uh more uh has much more depth uh jurassic park and, and the lost world Though he reluctantly wrote The Lost World because people were pissed because in the original book he kills Ian Malcolm. Yep. But in the book, though, you know, he, he makes a point, though, like how, how ethically, how is this, you know, ethically, you know, the, these creatures don't know where they are. They don't know when they are. And, you know, this is just about marketing and about money. And how can you ethically make these decisions? about a living and breathing organism it's definitely a crossroad we are going to have to come and cross especially as the future goes on and genetics gets bigger we're not going to be we might be creating mammoths at some point but we're already working on things like seeds we're already working on different organ transplants and stuff like that making life in laboratories it's one of those things we're, we're gonna have to cross that bridge not we like we, we'll be here sitting but someone else is going to have to and we might have to as a public eventually and those are great discussions uh anyone who you know, wants to follow up these kinds of ethical quandaries, you know, shoot us a, 
a tweet or an email, you know, we'll be happy to, to direct you to some podcasts or, or readings that might help you out. Because these are very difficult discussions that humanity will eventually have to figure out. And Pokemon probably will not care. <laughs> no, no, this is a... This is a game. They, they're not going to care that much. I still really but want... that was great. Yeah, I want that giant sloth. I want it. I want that giant sloth. No, and you know what? And, 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 and I don't disagree with him. Um, though a Triceratops would be cool uh, for me, like an actual Triceratops, while, you know... Uh, Bastiodon. You know, Bastiodon, it's, it's still a Seropod. It's not a Triceratops. And I, I get... I understand the feeling. All right. Well, I think... It's not, it's not the same. I think that wraps everything up for today. So, yep. again, thank you, everybody, for coming to our one-year anniversary. Know this was a long episode. It, it is a long episode, but it's worth it. We had good friends, good conversation, <laughs> great discussion, drama, intrigue, humor. Oh, the fun. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> and great questions from my, my, my kid. That really was her question. Mm -hmm. I don't remember how the topic got brought up, but she, uh, she asked that uh, to me on the way home from dance on Wednesday night. Like, like seriously, like I, you, you're you gonna have to come out here. I, I think if you could, please tweet veteran Lucas that he needs to come visit Professor Collins for Thanksgiving this year. Oh, come no, I got my own family to be with, and believe me, no, no coming out with all of us. Have you met a Brazilian mother? She will destroy me. She, I'm sure, but you'll have fun here. I'm sure I would, but then when I got back, though, the family drama. In any case, <laughs> as per usual, right. guys, as per usual, Let's wrap it up. iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, you know where to find us. We have our links in all of our episodes. If you look at the most Podbean apps, uh, podcast apps at this point that connect to iTunes, we're already there. So again, guys, find us on YouTube. We have videos up there. Yeah, uh, subscribe, stuff. like the page. Again, we really are, are are thankful for everyone and all your support. Leave good reviews for us. Uh, thank you, though. That was a really fun episode. And and uh, Lucas, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, this was a fun year. Thank you. Dude, let's make it another good time next one. All right, guys. All right. Peace out. Have a great rest of your day. And enjoy yourselves in this wonderful scientific world that we are exploring. Bye-bye, everybody.